You're listening to the Street Speak podcast, answering your questions about poverty and homelessness in San Francisco. On today's episode, we speak with Paul Bowden, the executive director of the Western Regional Advocacy Project, or RAP for short, about the insidious private entities engulfing public spaces here in San Francisco and around the world, known as business improvement districts. Um, my name's Paul Bowden, and I uh, worked at the Coalition on Homelessness for several years, a lot of years. Worked at Hospitality House, and now am at the Western Regional Advocacy Project, which is a coalition of groups similar to the Homeless Coalition um, in cities throughout the western part of the country, primarily. Business improvement districts, which go by a plethora of other euphemisms like community benefit districts, are areas of cities where businesses and or property owners pay mandatory property assessments to a private corporate entity. I mean, it's actually at its core a very simple concept. It's it's very um, reminiscent of anybody that with an understanding of neoliberalism, business improvement districts would make perfect sense to them. Um, If you think of the Reagan mantra from the early 80s, you know, like and the way that we do healthcare and the way that we do our public parks with these public private partnerships and the way that that we do our schools and like there's and our military and other places as well. But even our public spaces have become public private partnerships more so than they are the public domain anymore. And the business improvement district model, as the International Downtown Association was originally promoting it, creating the shopping mall environment in urban corridors. Now, if you've ever walked down the hallway of a shopping mall, like that's your sidewalk now. And businesses control the environment, the property owners primarily, control the environment that surrounds you and it controls and dictates your ability to be in that space. So if your presence isn't financially benefiting the business improvement district, you're a street vendor, you're a busker, you're, God forbid, homeless, you're seen as poor, you know, whatever it is that you're doing that doesn't directly benefit it's a business improvement district. Like if there's no direct benefit to the business community, your presence is going to be criminalized. Indeed, one of the main ways bids spend the money they collect through assessments is on hiring private security to police the sidewalks and public spaces within the neighborhood. And today, from the very tip of the edge of San Francisco, down in the Embarcadero, all the way to Castro Street, anywhere you are, you're in somebody's business improvement district. You might have used to think you were south of market, north of market, Tenderloin, whatever, Embarcadero, but you are officially designated now as being within the purview of these business improvement districts. We no longer 
directly or through our government, so maybe more indirectly for some than others, but have an opportunity to directly impact how we're being treated, our access to, our right to be in public space. That's no longer just between us and our government. There's now an entity in the middle that is very invested in what we do, who we are, why are we there, and our presence is seen as against the, the incentive of what these organizations were created to achieve, which was create a community that no longer is a neighborhood, is now a business improvement district. And they can change the name to community benefit district or enhanced service district. They can change the name all they want. Universally, every city we've looked at, the, the inherent structure and the purpose of the entity has been the same. In order to establish a bid, property or business owners, usually backed by a large corporation like the International Downtown Association, bring a proposal to a city. Then, in San Francisco, the Department of Elections will actually conduct a process that does not even remotely resemble a fair election, distributing ballots only to business and property owners within the proposed district. Votes from owners of larger properties are given more weight than those with smaller parcels. If 50% of those who return their ballots approve the district, then it goes to the city. And, and after this very skewed, like an election process that would never follow the standard of election law, the bigger your property, the more your vote counts. The city votes on it for public property and they've yet to vote no on creating a business improvement district. 50%, 57% of the Civic Center Business Improvement District is public property. I don't remember the public voting to pay property tax assessments to the bid to do Civic Center. I, nobody ever asked us to vote on it, and I live here. So like it's, it's shit that would never play out in standard election law, yet it's administered by the Department of Elections. You know, and this is all unique. If we wanted to build affordable housing and do a property tax assessment thing, we could never use this standard, never. I mean, San Francisco, the mayor's office has an office just on creating bids. So, and the, the, the website for the office, you know, says, you know, a plethora of services for, run, for creating and maintaining your business improvement district. So, like, they're not ashamed of this shit. Um, so, those, con those consultants work with the property owners. So, the, the board is usually predetermined before the bid, but it's all corporate. It's all controlled by and cannot be created without property owners vote. Once the bid is ratified, all business and property owners within the district have to pay taxes to the newly formed private entity. And behind closed doors, the board of directors of a bid makes all kinds of decisions that impact the lives of San Franciscans, especially those experiencing homelessness. And they get, they're the ones that get the check from the city to pay the property dues that taxpayers were man or property taxpayers were mandated to own so you have hospitality house paying property tax dues 
to a business improvement district that they don't want. Same in LA, Skid, LA Ken and Skid Row is paying property tax assessments to the business improvement district that they've sued in court more than once. But it's legally required you pay those assessments. Business improvement districts even hire lobbyists to impact policy on the local and state level. <laughs> they brag about having killed the Right to Rest Act in the California and Colorado state legislators. So like the if you think the business and property owners aren't looking at what happens in government, you're naive to the power structures in America. Um, and this is a vehicle that's focused on what's in the best interest of this district. And the lobbyists that they hire are focused on that. So laws that criminalize the presence of people, enforcement patterns, extra on-duty police officers that are paid for by the bid, you know, all of which comes from property tax dollars in California, so paid for by all of us. Importantly, bids spend a significant part of the money they bring in through assessments on harassing poor people, homeless folks, street vendors, and anyone else who isn't keeping the wheel of capitalism spinning. So sitting, standing, sleeping, laying down, whatever, vending without a permit, you know, busking without a permit, doing street music without a permit. Like all of these enforcement patterns are now patrolled by private security that have direct access to police backup if that's what they want. And you can imagine Skid Row, they talk all the time about when the security does call the cops with the handheld mics that they have, direct access. You know, the cops show up and talk to the security about what's happening. They don't ask the, the people, what, what happened here? Why is, why is this asshole detaining you? They go to the security guy and say, what did they do? Like, that's how it plays out. That's the reality. It's like this is a new form of governance, especially for urban areas where the, the white people are all moving back in, the white flux. Um, and this is, this is benefiting off the economic engine that that creates for corporate America. Um, and that's what's playing out here, which means we need to get the hell out. Just like homeless people are seeing with COVID opening up again, we need to disappear again. Um, this is from a gentrification and a displacement standard. Washington, D.C., the groups out there have done some amazing research to look at these bids being created in African-American neighborhoods, and suddenly the population of African-American people in that neighborhood continues to go down the longer the bids are in existence. So, I mean, this is no joke. This is urban renewal. Um, in a 2021 industrial uh, corporatized process, you know. This is not just a problem limited to San Francisco. Activists across the country are working to disrupt the growing influence of bids in our neighborhoods. In Portland, there's a clean and safe, talk about being blatant, um, district that's 214 something blocks of, of Old Town Portland. Um, and there's a you know, been a lot of organizing to influence the re, every 10 or 15 years, I think San Francisco's 15 years, the business improvement districts 
go before a BS process at the local city council or board of supervisors to get recertified for another 10 or 15 years. In Portland, it's 10 years. Um, and the first hearing on that is next Thursday. And for because of the research, because of the outreach, because of the connection to community organizing, um, there's some serious opposition on, at the table um, to talk about this. You know, there, the, a lot of the security guards, the private security guards are armed. It's Oregon. <laughs> like a lot of these guys are walking around armed and it's like, what the hell are you doing? Um, so there's, you know, there is uh, the D.C. guys, the L.A. has, you know, L.A. Stop LAPD Spying Coalition and, uh, and Los Angeles Community Action Network. Like these, these you know, we're, we're fighting back. And there is a, uh, a growing understanding of the impact and a growing understanding of the funding mechanisms, which are amazingly complex, but cut and dry at the end, property tax dollars. Um, but, you know, like the Castro just got a bunch of money from the city to increase their private security when the city cut the police budget. <laughs> so it's like, all right, we're cutting the police budget, but don't worry, you guys, we'll give you some extra money for private security. Like that's how blatantly hypocritical the shit is getting. Yikes. <laughs> um, you asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I did. Now we'll go to the weather. Yellow is the color of the big bright sun in the morning when we rise. In the morning when we rise. That's the time. That's the time. I love the best.
You just heard Colors from Mega Bloom's album Songs for Little Sprouts, available on Bandcamp. They are currently working on a new kids album with their project Sagebrush and Mega Bloom, which will be released later this winter. Join their album release party slash preschool fundraiser slash arts and crafts fair on December 4th from 11 to 3 at the New Farm in San Francisco. And now back to the podcast. If you are listening and thinking to yourself, how is it possible that these entities have so much power? How have I not heard of them? You're not alone. For anyone who does not own property in San Francisco, bids operate largely in the background. But you would likely recognize the bid ambassadors, the public face of the private entity taking over our familiar blocks. The ba- the ambassadors for, I mean, they're monitors. The, the real security is the, the ones in the black vehicles and the cameras that are all over the place and, and the, the ones in the, the special uniforms that looks kind of like a police uniform, but technically isn't. Um, like those are the security guys. The ambassadors are eye candy. Companies like Block by Block or Downtown Streets advertise their ambassador programs as a way to employ folks who are themselves coming off the streets. But Paul says this is a way to turn poor people against each other while hiding the larger anti-homeless apparatus policing the streets. If you're oppressing people like we've seen with our welfare system forever, um, you want to say you're doing it to help them. Um, And so you need those, oh yeah, I love my bid, you know, tokenized people in order to justify your shit you know downtown streets team is amazing i think it's it's vouchers to go to a safeway and shit like that as opposed to a paycheck um but boy do they advertise their shit you know and they're all over so it must be working for somebody somebody's making money there because they're all over the place um but the people and and yet and still you know, people will be like, well, at least I'm getting that. And it's like, that's how you divide and conquer people. Because, well, I got a half a step up the rung on the ladder. So sorry, brother, (laughs) your ass out, you know. And that's how you get us. You know, that's old as forever. Paul also talked about a campaign in Portland to reform a business improvement district that has built support among nonprofits, homeless activists, and small businesses who fear they too will be priced out as the bid continues to gentrify the neighborhood. Yeah, they've been really focusing on the security aspect of it. And also on the, a lot of the small businesses have really caught on to the more we gentrify this neighborhood, the less we can afford to be a small business in the neighborhood. You know, and and the bids are capitalist and insatiably greedy. And so they're going after anybody that's in, you know, let me like, like, well, we we would get property tax dollars from um, commercial businesses and government buildings, but government space. And then they got that. That's what the state gave them. And that, then it was, no, we want the residential and the nonprofits and we, we want everybody to pay into it. You know, it's this constant greed and that's how capitalism works. Um, 
And so there's a, as we really, and we being the organizers in Portland through Sisters of the Road and Portland Metro People's Coalition and DSA and Right to Survive, all these groups like have banded together um, and have really started doing the, the research and, you know, we did public records requests. They blew us off for a year. We fought with the city. And then the city auditor said, we'll do an audit. And the audit was devastating to the bid, um, or all of them, the enhanced service districts, but same thing. Um, and so that gave some legitimacy to the organizing that, well, the city auditor says that they don't do their audits and they don't do their reports and they're not being accountable and all this shit. Um, and, and to really try to use this window of time that existed between the audit coming out and the hearing happening um, to start public education and start organizing and start developing people an opportunity to oppose it if that's what you want to do. Um, and that's grown. And it's the hearing, you know, I don't think it's going to end business improvement districts in America tomorrow. But um, it's a hell of a lot closer to where than where we were a year ago, you know. Here at home, there are local organizations resisting the insidious power bids are gaining over our streets. The security in the TL is very aggressive, and it's gotten worse since the Hastings lawsuit and Urban Alchemy doing their stuff. And like, it's gotten very aggressive on the street in terms of the 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 role that the private security seems to think they're supposed to play. Um, and and TNDC ended up writing a letter to the bid about the way people were being treated in public space by the private security system. And I just found that like really scary. If you were talking about how people are being policed in private space in the old days, being old, you went to the city hall and said, the cops are treating us like, you know, like, like you didn't go to the boss of the person that's, that's oppressing you and say, we wish you would be nicer. You know, and then what? Set up a sensitivity training class. Give me a fucking break. Like we're talking about our presence in, in our public spaces, in our communities. And we're talking to a private entity about the way that a contractor that they have employed is doing and treating people in public spaces in our neighborhood. Why wouldn't we talk to City Hall about that? Why would we go to a corporate entity? Nonprofit, for-profit, I don't care. You're still a corporate entity. The coalition, rap, we're corporate entities. You know, why would you go to a corporate entity to discuss the issue of how people are treated in public space? Like, that scares the hell out of me. And I feel like that's neoliberalism in a, in a box. For Paul, more is at stake even than the right to privacy being violated by security or the democratic process being disrupted by privatization. At stake is our right to public space. Like I was working with these, these groups that were fighting the cameras in Union Square and stuff like that, and they were very locked in on the cameras. And I started talking about with them about 
the the frontline set you know soldiers of the security companies the occupying force that is using those cameras is the block by block and those guys like that that for a lot of us it's not just they're taking our our image at a demo and giving it to the cops there's also like why are they patrolling public spaces so like understanding the connection there you know it, it was really surprising with these guys it, it was like well yeah we get it but there's more traction to be had in city hall to mess with the cameras because of who was targeted by the cameras than there was to mess with the the frontline soldiers of the police force um, and, and I think we need to stop looking at shit that way. I think we need to look at it about universally who's allowed to be in public space and what's the purpose of having space that technically is called public space. And is the, the city, the landlord that can rent out our public space or the feds, the landlord that can sell public housing to the private market or are they the guardians of our space because by virtue of the fact that it's public because right now it's not our space we're tolerated or we're allowed or we're encouraged if we're white enough and wealthy enough to be there um but it's not it's you can't call it public space and to call it a public private partnership when you're talking about public space you've really gone over the fucking deep end I guess then I have one last question, which is, what is the value of public space? I think there's so little of it left in this country. Like, like whatever's left, just leave it the fuck alone. And I can go there anytime I want because I'm public. And I can be here and you can't say anything to me. Like then we get the right to rest act and I can stand still and sit down. You know, I'm, I'm not even getting to that debate. It's your mere presence that is no longer tolerated. And then if the pigs want to fuck with you, it's like you stop, you stand still. Oh, you're loitering. You sit down. Oh, you're sitting on public space. You know, like granted, those things are still there. Um, but recognizing that holy shit not only can i not stop walking i can't even call it public anymore like that's not cool and i think the value of public space is nobody can tell me i have no right to be here and that includes following me harassing me asking me who the fuck i am and can i help you yeah you can get the hell out of my face if you want to help You've just heard Paul Bowden of the Western Regional Advocacy Project talking about the impact of business improvement districts on our local communities. To find out more about RAP and their work to expose the dangers of bids, visit raphome.org. That's spelled W-R-A-P-H-O-M-E dot org. You've been listening to Street Speak, the podcast that answers your burning questions about poverty and homelessness in San Francisco. Thanks for listening.